right, we're going to be in John 15 tonight. I'm going to be going through the whole chapter tonight. John chapter 15. And before we get into this chapter, um, I'm going to be preaching about the vine and the branches tonight and exactly what that means. This chapter right here is one that a lot of people will use to teach a lot of false doctrine. And it is very important that we understand exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said all these words. And many times, whenever we're trying to refute false doctrine, it doesn't always help win people over. If somebody, for example, they deny eternal security, for us to just go to a different eternal security passage. I want to show them where they went wrong on the passage that they're using. And it's always a bad sign when people have to run away from a passage of Scripture. I don't think we need to do that. And I think once people see, because there are passages too where people, they, they, they're perplexed, they're confused. You know, they believe in eternal security, but I just don't really understand this chapter right here. Well, we, we want to make sure people understand exactly what Jesus is saying because there are no contradictions in the Bible. There's just bad interpretations that people come up with. And, and so we're going to show exactly what this chapter means tonight because it's very important that we get this. And again, this there's a lot of different things I've been, I'm wanting to preach on over the next weeks. So I've got like a ton of message ideas, and this is kind of a springboard into some of the things that I'm wanting to get into that's just very important that we understand that you get a hold of. And too many times, again, we often take principles from things in the Bible. We take illustrations from things in the Bible, and we preach life application from them, and that's not wrong but sometimes that's the only thing we do with certain scriptures. And as a result, we end up losing the original message of that passage. And people think, well, I know this passage. I've heard this pre you know, preach from this a million times. But, well, you've heard illustrations from it, like a David and Goliath story or something like that. But a lot of people have never heard what Jesus was actually talking about. And it's important that we understand that. And then if somebody comes along... And they start teaching some weird doctrine from one of the verses in here. You're going to see right through it because you know exactly what that passage is talking about. And they are not going to be able to put one over on you. So let's go ahead as we uh, go through this. We'll start off reading verse one. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. And a lot of people, they get a little confused when it talks about taking the branch away. Well, what does that mean? You know, if we quit bearing fruit as a Christian, are we going to lose our salvation? And some people will teach that. But this is, this is a very misunderstood passage of Scripture. And in the Bible, we actually see many examples of the vine and branches. And people are always getting confused with those passages. Most of the passages that I hear people going to today to prove you can lose your salvation, just happen to be messages about the vine and the branches. It's because people don't understand what Jesus, what Paul was talking about. This just isn't being taught in a lot of churches. And what they're doing is they're just trying to read their own theology into that text. So if you're a once saved, always saved person, I've heard people twist this, path, this text to prove once saved, always saved. But it's like, hang on. You know what? A branch can be broken off. But what does that mean? And a lot of people don't understand that. And they end up just butchering the passage, trying to defend eternal security. It's like, no, you can preach this right, and it's not going to mess up eternal security. But they're, it's like, but they're missing things. There's just things that they don't understand, and we don't want to do that. So 
Because uh, this chapter 2 uh, is one, too, that Calvinists also like to use to teach some of their perverted election doctrine, doctrine that they teach. You know, that God chooses who's going to get saved. They take a verse from here, and it's like, wow, you know, that sounds an awful lot like what Calvinists say. But the problem is, you know, if you understand what Jesus is talking about, you would never get election from that, this passage. You never would get election if you were actually using this passage the way Jesus was. You would, you would never get that. And so uh, it's very important we understand this. So how, exactly how are we supposed to interpret this chapter? And let me just tell you, I'm not going to have time tonight to go through this whole chapter and give a whole bunch of proof that I am interpreting this correctly. But let me tell you, the proof is abundant out there. And so if anybody feels like, I don't think you made a good case that your interpretation is correct, let me know and I will gladly preach more on this because this is, a, to me, a very easy thing to prove. There's a ton of scripture to prove it. But I think when you see how much this all makes sense, I think that is its best proof right there. So, again, and again, the reason so many get confused or the reason so many people get away with teaching just perverted false doctrines from certain scriptures is because... So few people are preaching those verses right. And we've got to make sure we do that. So when it comes to eternal security, we definitely have crystal clear, undebatable passages that we can run to. We can always run away from these passages and go to those verses, but I don't think we need to. I think it's more effective if we can stay in this passage and show that person teaching your, you can lose your salvation how they don't even know what this passage is talking about. I think that's the best thing to do. Otherwise... Just like we're going to go run and we're going to hang on to that passage, like John 3.16 or something, they're going to go run and hang on to this passage. I want to take it away from them. That's what I want to do. And we can definitely take this passage away. So, first thing that we need to say, because again, eternal security people, you know, they often butcher this passage, you know, as Donald Trump would say, bigly. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody other than him use that word, but I like that word. Bigly. And, I, and it is, it's frustrating sometimes listening to even eternal security people try to talk about this passage. It's like, come on, man. And, you know, and, you know, I was there at one time, too. Again, if you get off on, if you don't have a proper understanding of Israel, it's going to really mess with your Bible interpretation. It's really important people get that stuff right. But anyway, so again, verse 1 Jesus said, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. So God the Father is the husbandman. Okay? He is the one who looks after the vine. A husbandman looks after the vine, right? He makes sure it's taken care of, everything's good. And what does a husbandman intend to get from a vine? What is the point of a vine? He wants fruit to come from that vine. So here in this passage, Jesus clearly is the vine. God the Father is the husbandman. The point of the vine is, it needs to grow branches. And from those branches on that vine will be fruit. And what do you do with that fruit? You know the purpose of fruit? You take it and eat it, right? And, you get, and so that's the point. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he, the husbandman, taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So God the Father, the husbandman, he goes, and if there is a branch that is not bearing fruit, God is going to take that branch away. You know why? Because it's taking nutrients 
from the other branches that actually are bearing fruit, and those branches aren't going to bear as much fruit. And the whole point of a vine is not to grow branches that don't do anything. The whole point of a vine is it's to have branches that bear fruit. And let me tell you, God will take away branches. Branches can get broken off. Branches can be cast aside and will be good for nothing anymore. But those branches that are bearing fruit, too, the husbandman purges those branches. What does he do? He's, he's fixing them. He's making them better. He's getting rid of things that are going to negatively affect that branch because he wants as much fruit as he can have coming from each branch. So, again, I'm, I'm going to just tell you as we go through this kind of what these things uh, mean, what the, bran- what the branches mean, what the fruit means. I'm just going to kind of tell you. And as we go through this, I think you're going to see it make sense. And especially, too, as we reference some other places in the Bible, this is very clear what God's talking about. Now, again, Jesus often spoke in parables. Jesus often gave different illustrations like this. But we don't have the right as teachers of the Bible to go take his illustrations and use it to illustrate something else. Okay? If we do, we're going to mess up the teaching. So I, if I'm going to get this right, I've got to be making the same illustration application Jesus did if I'm, if I'm teaching this properly and if I'm going to have a proper understanding. And so once we have that correct understanding, this passage is not confusing at all. It's very, it's very, very clear. And so the fruit in these stories, I believe, represents the souls of men. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He wants people to get saved. He wants their souls to go to heaven. He does not want them to go to hell. So the fruit that the branches bear, those are the souls of men and the branches. Okay, so what are the branches? And I believe that the branches, you could say, are churches or even just ministers or servants of the kingdom of God. Because the whole point of a branch, it needs to bear fruit. Our role as a church, what we're supposed to do as a church, we're supposed to bring forth fruit. Uh, when, we, when you get saved, it is your job as a Christian to bring forth fruit. It's your job to bring people to Christ. So the fruit of the souls of men, but the branches, you could say, are the work of the believer. The work of the church. The, so that's what the, that represents. And anyone who's a part of a local church, you could say, is a part of a branch that's connected to the vine. And if it's not connected to the vine, it's not real church. Okay? Or it was a real church, but it quit being effective. It wasn't abiding in Christ. And it, it was removed. So the branches, again, don't just think of individuals, even though there's a, you know, an example there that I think makes, makes some sense. But think of it as the work of the church. Okay, this church, we are not just a people, even though we are an assembly of people, but we are supposed to be performing a function in the kingdom of God. We are supposed to be doing a work in the kingdom of God. We are supposed to be bearing fruit. That is why we are here as a church. And we don't ever want to forget that. And so... Uh, just like a vine has many branches, Christ has many churches, doesn't he? We're not the only one. We're, we're not the only church. And as a church, we need to be bringing fruit. And we also want fruit that will remain. We're going to see that, that phrase used here in a little bit. And I believe what that means when it says fruit that remains is fruit that not only is it souls that get saved, but these are people who end up becoming a part of the work 
of the church, who become a servant in the kingdom of God. Not everyone that gets saved gets plugged into a church and brings forth fruit. There are some people who get saved, but they never do anything for God. They don't bring forth any fruit. Nobody else is going to go to heaven because of them. They do not reproduce. And that's not what we want to do. I don't want to be that way as an individual. And I don't want our church to be that way. We want to be bringing people to Christ. We want to be expanding the kingdom of God as much as possible. So that fruit that remains are people who do. They get plugged into the vine. In other words, they, they end up doing a part of the work of the Lord. And so before I lose anybody, you know, just understand too, anyone who is saved has a connection to a church. Because again, it's the work of the church that gets people saved. How can they you know, preach except they be sent? It's the church that sends people out. You say, well, I don't go to church anywhere. I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not a part of a church anywhere. Well, let me tell you, if you heard the gospel, if you got saved, it was because of a ministry of a church somewhere. And the thing is, you can act like you're all spiritual and you're all good, not being connected to a church. But let me tell you something. If you don't get yourself connected to a church, it's only a matter of time and you will be a worthless branch. You will get cut off from the vine. Oh, you don't, I don't care. I don't go to church, but I go soul winning all the time. Well, you know what? You're not going to produce any fruit that remains. You're not going to expand the kingdom of God you're, or the work, the work of God. And again, and eventually you're going to flop out. You're going to fall out. Mark it down. You don't get to remain in disobedience to God. You don't get to refuse to let God purge you as a branch and then expect him to keep using you as a branch. So just mark it down. You know, you got people that think, well, I don't go to a church, but I got somebody saved out solding one time. Therefore, I'm a fruit bearing branch. Okay, listen, you know, the fact you got saved, it's a result of a work of a church. The fact that you even learn how to go solding is probably the result of a work of a church. And, you know, and you have, you've reaped some benefits from it, but you know what? If you remain in disobedience, you will not last. You're not going to find a soul winner that's been soul winning for decades and bringing people to Christ and having fruit that remains that wasn't connected to a church. This is, it doesn't happen and, and it's never going to happen because that person is in disobedience. And I like saying this stuff too, because it's a hundred thousand percent true and I trigger internet people all the time that that's all the church they get is what they listen to online. And I don't mind doing that because let me tell you, those of you that listen to us online, you need to get in church. You need to get in church. I can't say that enough. So verse 3, so I've kind of told you what these different characters represent. The husband, God, the father, husband, God, the father, the vine, Jesus Christ, the branches, the churches or the work of the church. Uh, and then the fruit, that's the souls that get saved. So let's keep reading. So remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, all of Jesus' disciples were handpicked by him. They did, these are not men who just responded to the preaching of the word of God and then followed him. No, Jesus directly went to them and said, follow me. He chose them. They were handpicked okay, for a very specific purpose. And so verse 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And so as Jesus is talking to his disciples, understand this. He is not just talking to 12 saved guys. Because he's talking to 12 guys, 12 chosen men. But were there 12 saved guys right there? No, there weren't. Because guess who was one of the guys? 12. Judas Iscariot. 
But was he not chosen by Jesus Christ? Was he not a part of the work that Jesus was doing? Yeah, I mean, he was a part of their group. He was one of the 12, but he wasn't saved. So understand, you know, and you can have people that are a part of a church that aren't saved. You can have people that can be a part of the church that are even advancing the work of the church that aren't saved. Say, how how could that be? Well, what if you have a lost person and he's given a whole bunch of money in the church? I mean, that's helping advance the work, right? Now, is God okay with lost people remaining a part of the church? Of course not. And you know what the husbandman's going to do? He's going to purge them. And let me tell you, saved people are always going to come into churches, be a part of church. They're going to do some things to help. They might do some things to hinder. Too. Either way, listen, if we stay right with God, God will always purge those people. If they're heretics, it's always going to come to the surface. It's always going to eventually show itself. You can, you can count on it. It's going to, it's going to happen. You know why? Because the husbandman's always purging those branches. And we're always going to need purging. There's always things out there that are going to infect us, that are going to attach itself to us. And that husbandman, he wants to take care of those fruit-bearing branches, and he's not going to let that happen. Now, we can't allow it. If we knowingly know we've got lost people in here, if we knowingly you know, if, if, are aware of the fact we've got heretics and we're just not caring, you know what, then we might just suffer. But if we don't know, if we are in a state of innocence, I believe God's going to let us know. He's going to make sure. So just keep that in mind. If we've got any heretics in here or infiltrators or anything like that, okay, or, or even anybody who shouldn't be here just because of sin or something like that, God purges his church. And so if you have hidden sin that is negatively affecting this church, God will expose it. But I, I do believe, though, God will not purge us if we knowingly allow sin in here, he'll just let us suffer and he'll let us get nailed. We are supposed to purge ourselves, but when it is a situation where we are innocent, where we do not know, God will intervene and God will purge us. So that if you think you're hiding your sin or whatever, just the longer you hide it, the worse it's going to be when God nails your hide to the wall. You better hope we find it before he does. And you know, the best thing is for you to just confess it yourself first but either way you're getting purged i i can promise you that god will always is always going to purge his church verse four abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing and a lot of times people look at that command to abide in him and then they're like, oh, you know, eternal security and it's not about works. I mean, this makes it sound like we've got to do something to abide in him. And let me tell you, we do have to do something to abide in him. If we want to bear fruit, if we want to continue being a branch and being used of God. But folks, this is not about staying saved. Abiding in him is not about staying saved. Abiding in him is about remaining fruitful. As a church, if we want to stay connected to Jesus Christ, to the vine, so we can keep on producing fruit and still having life in this church, we have to abide in Him. And let me tell you, that's work. Abiding in Him is work. And we better do the work, because if we don't do the work, we serve no purpose as a branch, because we're not going to bear any fruit. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to get cut off. We're going to get broken off. That will happen to us as a church. But this is not, about, this is not a command to an individual. You better abide in me. 
or you're going to hell. That's not what he's talking about. Again, Jesus chose those 12, not for salvation, but to do a work. To start the church. That's what they were, that's what they were chosen for. So verse 4, or um, verse 6, it says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So again, if these disciples disconnect themselves from Christ, they're not going to lose their salvation, but they will not bear any fruit and they will lose their ministry. They will lose their ministry. And that once, folks, once we're not bearing fruit, we're not good for anything. We're going to just be, we're going to be cast aside. We're going to be done. And the work that these men would do, it would cease if they didn't abide in Christ. And so let me ask you this. Now, here's an important question. If a branch bears fruit on a tree and then later that same branch ceases to produce fruit then does none of the fruit before count no obviously it bore fruit at one time we've got branches on that apple tree that have bore fruit before and now they're not bearing fruit so does all that fruit that came from it in the past not count anymore no, it produced fruit at one time. And this is another thing too people get goofy about a lot of times. Whenever churches go bad or somebody goes into heresy or whatever, everybody's got to try to you know, prove that they never got anybody saved or that church. No, you don't have to do that. Lots of churches produced fruit at one time, were fruit-bearing churches. A lot of Christians were fruit-bearing Christians at one time, but they didn't abide in Christ. And as a result, they're not bearing fruit anymore. And people are confused. I, I came from that ministry. I got saved from that ministry. How could they possibly be bad? Okay? Listen, no, it was good at one time. A branch can be good at one time. A branch can be producing fruit at one time. And you can never take away the fact that it produced that fruit. But the fact that it's not that the branch is bad now, all that means is not that it was never bad. It never produced fruit. It just means it's not producing fruit anymore. And you know what? That stinks when that happens. You know, as a husbandman, you know, you want those branches always bearing fruit. But you know what? Sometimes they quit bearing fruit. And then everybody does. They just want to find a way to prove nobody from that church ever got saved. Nobody from that ministry ever got saved. That's ridiculous. We don't have to do that. Branches, organizations, and even individuals who at one time were doing a work for the Lord and producing fruit, can cease to be fruitful. There's no doubt about that in the Scriptures. So, uh, and a great example of a branch that was not bearing fruit, you could say, is the physical nation of Israel. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 21. Now why did, now why did Israel, you know, why did, why did they get broken off? In Romans 11, it refers to those branches being broken off. Why were they broken off? I'll tell you why. Because they weren't bearing any fruit. And Matthew 21, 18 says, Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, 
ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. When the Lord there, and then jump down to verse 40. And I, I wish we had time to go into all that led up to Jesus saying this. How Jesus had just had his triumphal entry and went into the temple. And you know what he found? A den of thieves. He said, my house is supposed to be a house of nation, uh, prayer for all nations. You've made it into a den of thieves. And when Jesus came to check up on Israel, they had no fruit. There was no fruit. There were supposed to be people of all nations. They were keeping people out of the kingdom. So Jesus shows up at Jerusalem. There's no fruit. They produced no fruit under that old covenant. The physical nation of Israel, they were incapable of producing fruit under that old covenant. You know why? The only way there's going to be any fruit is through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ went after that and He goes and He curses this fig tree that was a picture of Israel. And He said, let no fruit grow on you forever. And so in verse 40, as He's preaching to the Pharisees, as He's mad at them because they didn't produce any fruit, it says, when the Lord therefore the vineyard cometh, what will He do with those husbandmen? They say unto Him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out His vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their season. Looks like Jesus really wants fruit. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read the Scripture, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. What is the kingdom of God, ladies and gentlemen? It's the work of the Lord. It's that administration of the Word of God. It's the oracles of God. It's the teaching of the things of God. It's the evangelism. It's that ability to send people out and to send out soul winners and to not only just have the truth, but folks, to have the power of God behind us. Jesus Christ came at Pentecost and you know what He did? He empowered the church with the Holy Ghost. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. He gave them power. And let me tell you, you disconnect yourself from the church, you don't have the power of God behind you in what you do. And that's why we need to stay connected to a church. And so that ministry, that ministry of preaching the gospel, that ministry of bearing fruit, God took it away from Israel. And you know what He did? He said, I'm going to give it to another nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And in verse 44, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to power, powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard this par- his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. He's like, yeah, that's all. I'm talking about you. I'm, I'm definitely talking about you. And so what people need to understand about Israel in replacement theology is you have to understand what was replaced and why it was replaced. And so understand... That ministry, the things of God, God said, you can't have it. It's not going to be here anymore. We're not using this temple anymore. It didn't produce any fruit. You Pharisees definitely aren't producing any fruit. You're not bringing anybody to me. You're shutting people out of the kingdom of God. I'm done with you. I'm going to go to a foolish nation. I'm going to go use the Apostle Paul to go get a bunch of Gentiles saved. And you know what? They're going to get the job done. And then you had... Churches like Rome, like the church in Rome, who were producing fruit. And we don't have time to go through all of Romans chapter 11, but you remember what Paul told Rome? He said, don't you go boasting. 
Just like God broke them off, He can break you off too. That's not about individuals. Paul's warning this church in Rome, you better stay close to God because just like He quit using Israel, He'll quit using you too. And you know, last time I checked, I haven't heard about any thriving soul-winning churches in Rome. What happened? Well, they probably eventually got broken off, didn't they? Now, did, any, did those people that, they, that were saved, did they go to hell? No. But eventually, and that happens to churches all the time, they get to a point where they're not bearing fruit anymore. That's what it means when a branch gets broken off. People need to understand that. And so Paul told them. So when Gentiles started getting saved, churches like the church of Rome ended up being grafted into the olive tree and they were producing fruit. And so Paul warned them in Romans 11, though, don't be high-minded. He said, be not high-minded, but fear. None of you in here should ever fear losing your salvation. But every one of us should fear losing our ministry. And let me tell you, as a pastor, I could lose my ministry. I could go out. I could commit some kind of sin that would disqualify me from the ministry. And I'm, I'm, I'm done as a pastor. As a church, we could allow false doctrine in here. We can allow sin in here that will corrupt our message, that will get us disconnected from the, the things of God and the cause of Christ, and we won't produce any fruit. And I don't want that to happen to this church. But you better believe that can happen, and we better never get high-minded. We better always fear that kind of thing. And so, you know, we're going we're gonna to freak out about false doctrine. We're going to freak out about sin when it comes. Why are you guys so, why are you guys so scared of these things? You know, it's not so much that we're scared of false doctrine. It's not so much that we're scared of sin, but we do fear God. And He's got a big problem with false doctrine. He's got a big problem with sin. And so you better believe we're going to worry about that stuff. We're going to make a big deal when these kind of things happen because we want to continue bearing fruit. And I believe today, Liberty Baptist Church, we are a fruit-bearing branch. I believe we are connected to the olive tree. Every one of you that are here that contribute in any way to the work of this church. You are a part of the branch. You are going to be rewarded for the fruit, all, any fruit that is produced in this church. If you are a part of this church in any way, if you do anything, if you, if you so much as give a cup of water to help one of the soul winners here in this church, you are going to be a partaker of the rewards of this church. We are fellow laborers together. All the salvations that our church gets are fruit to your account. And, you, and so you know what? That's another reason, too. You ought to want to be a part of a church. You know, I can only get so many people saved myself. But you know what? If I can be a part, if I can do, if I can do something to encourage all of you to be soul winning, too, and producing fruit, too, that's just, that's even more. That's, that's even better. So all of us need to stay busy with this. And I am, I'm getting kind of tired of some of these Internet Clowns that are just, you know, they, they want to brag about their soul winning all the time. They're too good for any church. And that's, that's a shame. These people will never last. And it's sad to listen to them just talk so down on churches and pastors who have been faithful for years and years. And yeah, maybe they're not as zealous as you are today. Maybe you're spending more time today going soul winning than they are. But you know what? These guys have also been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years and they're going to do it till they die. You're going to be done in less than a decade. It's, and I have no doubt about that. You know what? Just like you go and you, if, if, if you bring a branch in here to me that has leaves and fruit on it and it's not connected to the tree, I mean, it looks good. There's, I mean, there's fruit on this branch. 
It looks great. But you know what? It's never going to produce any again. And you know what? Eventually, that branch is going to wither up and it's going to die. And let me tell you, you get yourself disconnected from the church. Yeah, oh great, you look good right now. Yeah, you've got an apple hanging on you still. Good job. But you know what? You're not going to keep producing. You, you should not have disconnected yourself from that tree. You better get obedient and get your carcass in church. I'm going to keep harping on that. I just, I just feel like harping on that. I, I think it needs to be done. So verse 7, Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Well, I like that. As long as I'm being faithful, whatever I want, I'm going to get. Here comes that new car I was praying for. But, it, you know, that, that's... No, listen. This isn't an individual name it and claim it verse. But this is something that we can claim as a church. Okay? So, again... I get it. If we want to isolate this verse, I mean, Jesus said you can ask what you will and it should be done unto you. But wait, what's he been talking about? He's been talking to his disciples who he chose to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the church, to go out and bring forth fruit. He's talking to them. He's talking specifically about this ministry. So when Jesus makes this statement right here, this isn't about us just getting all the stuff that we could want for ourselves. This is about us bearing fruit. If we want to bear fruit as a church, guess what? We can do that. All's we ha- you realize how easy it is to bear fruit as a church? All we've got to do is just obey Him, just go out, give the gospel to people, and people are going to get saved. You, you want to know why so many churches aren't getting anybody saved today? Because they're not soul winning. That's disobedience. That's disobedience. It's not hard to get people saved. Like I said Wednesday, it's hard... To get them bearing fruit. That takes a lot of work. Purging a branch, that there's work involved there. But getting people saved, that's not that's not a hard thing to do. And people just need to get busy and as a church. If we have that desire to reach souls for Christ, we're gonna bear fruit. And let me tell you, when a church is bearing fruit, that's the branch the husbandman purges, so we can bring forth more fruit. Again. God puts his attention, he's, he's not a socialist where he tries to you know, equally distribute the wealth everywhere. When he sees a church doing a work, getting the job done, producing fruit, he gives that church the attention. The church that's weak and anemic and not doing anything, he doesn't do much there. So that, that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. Okay? Thank, you know, God does not run his kingdom the way Joe Biden runs his kingdom. And thank, aren't we all thankful for that? For that. But verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And so this is what we're to ask for. This is what, as a church, we should be asking for. Not the new bass boat. Okay? Not the new you know, hot rod car or whatever. What we're supposed to ask for is, Lord, give, help us bear fruit. Lord, give us fruit. Lord, give us souls. Lord, give us laborers. You know, Lord, help, give us fruit that remains. Lord, give us more people that can be a part of this work. That's what God wants us getting done in this church. Not, Lord, give us more tithers. And hey, we'll take them. All right, we'll, we'll take them. But at the end of the day, you know, God's not about accumulating a bunch of money because He does fine. He owns everything to begin with. But you know what? If we're bearing fruit and this church needs money, God will make sure we get it. 
We, we just need to stay focused on that. And, you know, and that's why we don't spend all our time going soul-winning in the rich neighborhoods. You know why? Because rich people are really hard to get saved. And poor people, they don't give that much money, but they're a lot easier to get saved. And so, you know, the truth is, if we just keep going out and getting those poor people saved, God's going to make sure we've got the money that we need. I'm I'm sure of that because God takes care of fruit-bearing branches. So verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And Christ loves the church, and we need to continue in the love of Christ so we can keep bearing fruit, and we can fail to do this as a church. Verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. And isn't it funny how people will just take that verse? If you don't keep his commandments, you're not going to buy his love, meaning you're going to lose your salvation. Where did you get any indication that's what he's talking about? I mean, is it not obvious what he's talking about in this passage right here? But what they do, they ignore that. They ignore what Jesus is talking about, and they are literally changing the subject. And so abiding in his love, or, and that is not keeping your salvation. It, it's staying in, it's, it's keeping the work of God. It's continuing to be used by God. And let me tell you, if we are not keeping His commandments as a church, we're not going to bear fruit. If you are not keeping His commandments as an individual, you are not going to bear fruit. Do you just want to go to heaven or do you want to go to heaven and bear fruit? Okay? If, if you just want to go to heaven, and I'm not trying to be mean here, I'm not trying to be funny, but if your goal is just, I just want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth, can you please go find a different church? Because we're supposed to keep sin out of this church. And if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven and you can have sin in your life and you're still going to go to heaven. But you know what? You're going to hurt this church if you do that. And you need to find another church that's already not bearing fruit anyway. We don't need you messing up this church. Because we aren't going to continue bearing fruit if we are not keeping his commandments. And so, you know what? I don't care that we're saved by grace, through faith, without works. We are going to preach works all the time around this church. Because we are not just here. None of us should be here so we can go to heaven. We are here because we want to do something for the kingdom of God. We are here because we want to serve the Lord. We want to bear fruit. We want rewards in heaven. We want to have, I want to have a position in the kingdom of God. I want God, when He comes back... Folks, we've got another... Th- I've only got maybe 40, another 40 years on this you know, earth, if I'm lucky in this body, but I got a thousand years coming with my new glorified body. And what I do during that time is affected by what I do during this time. So I need to take advantage of this time. I don't need to waste my time with sin and all the junk of this world with all these things that aren't going to last. It's going to mess up my chances in the future. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. We don't have time for that kind of stuff here. So you know what? There's plenty of fun center churches where you can sin all you want. And yeah, you'll still go to heaven and nobody's going to call you out and criticize you. But this is not that place. This is not a place. This is for people who are serious. This is for people who actually believe in a millennial kingdom and that believe that we're going to rise again from the dead one of these days when Jesus Christ comes back and He's going to have a work for us to do. And we want to be doing something in it. And I don't want all the people of Liberty Baptist Church to just have the worst jobs in the kingdom of God. You know, I don't want us to just, you know, be what, you know, I don't want us to be in charge, you know, the, 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 we all work in the sewer in the kingdom of God. Well, that's that Liberty Church, Baptist Church. They were so sorry 
They did almost nothing for God. Yeah, they're the ones that have to work underground, so we don't have to look at them. They're the people that stink coming out. So, hey, you know what? I'd rather work in the sewer in the kingdom of God than be in hell. But I'd prefer to not work in the sewer. And I don't know how that's all going to work. But you, I think you understand my point. I think you understand my point. And we're, we're actually trying to accomplish something around here. And, we, and you need to take it serious if you're going to be a part of this church. So it says, because if we're not obedient as a church, so we'll quit being used. And we can quit doing the work of the Lord. You know, we can, we can quit and we're not going to accomplish anything. But you know what? That's not okay. We're not going to quit doing the work of the Lord. And you know what we're not? We can't change on doctrine. If we change on doctrine, we are going to get effect, infected. We're going to get, and folks, we're, that's probably what we're going to be talking about in the next weeks. We're going, to talk, I'm going to, we're going to talk about some cankers that are infecting Baptist churches today. We've got to remove those things. There are, there are cankers, and you know, I'll, tell, I'll explain all that next week, that are killing churches. Verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Hey, what does that mean, joy might remain in you? Well, again, as we can't be joyful as a church if we're in rebellion. We can't. We can't have hope that our church will survive the challenges that lie ahead if we're in rebellion. And that's why we've got to be obedient. And let me tell you, you know, there, there were days you know, early on in the church where it would be discouraging sometimes you know, when, when things were slow and things weren't as exciting and, and going the way it wanted to. But you know, at the same time, I always had hope because one thing I knew, I always knew we were, do, we were doing the work, we were preaching the truth, and I knew as long as we keep doing these things too, God's going to bless. I knew God didn't want me working at Walmart forever. I knew that. My timing was not God's timing. I wanted, but I knew if I just, if we keep doing the work, God's going to do something. God's eventually going to. And so every Sunday when I came to church, I always had hope that visitors were going to come. You know why? Because I would knock on doors during the week. But you know, a lot of churches today, you know why they're not expecting anything to happen? Because they didn't do anything. Why would you expect visitors to come today? I'm always expecting visitors here because we're always doing the work. So we've got to make sure we keep that up. You know, and sadly today, we just don't have this mentality of building something that will last that we see all over in the Bible. And I'm not even going to touch on this tonight. But in the Bible, we see a heavy emphasis on building something that will last. That is, and, and we don't even talk about that today. And let me tell you why. It's because of the canker of Larkin's dispensationalism is taught a fatalism. It's taught a, a church that's just failing and giving up and quitting and just barely alive when Jesus Christ comes back. That's a bunch of garbage. I'm glad they didn't believe that stuff in previous generations, that they were always trying to build something, accomplish something. We, we have a different mentality today. It is, it is a fatalist mentality, and I'm sick of it. I think it's wrong. We do not know that Jesus Christ is going to come back in this generation. We have no right to act that way. Absolutely no right at all. We'll probably talk about some of that uh, over the next week. But verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And this is one of the most important things that we need to do as a church. We talked about this when we were going through 1 John, where that is emphasized a ton in that book, the importance of loving one another. We, as a church, 
need to take care of our own. Why? Because we want to have a feel-good session all the time? Because we want everybody's emotions to be positive all the time? Hey, we want all that, but ultimately the reason we want all that is because we want everybody here to keep bearing fruit. Because even though, as a church, we can keep bearing fruit, I want the individuals in this church to keep bearing fruit. And the last thing we want to do as a church is to have some of our members getting discouraged and quitting. And let me tell you, say people get discouraged and quit all the time. And you know what we need to do? We need to look out for each other. We need to exhort one another as we see the day approaching. Why? Because we want everyone here to just keep bearing fruit. We need, we want to bear as much fruit as possible. We don't want to lose branches. We don't want to lose these things. And so we're going to follow that commandment and love one another. They, people need to know this is a place where I'm going to be loved. This is a place I'm going to be cared about. And, and people are going to take care of me and they're going to look out for me. We've got to do this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And let me tell you, some churches are not very good friends of Christ. They're not. You know why? Because they're not doing the work of the Lord. They're not being obedient. They're not loving the brethren. That is not good. Now watch this in verse 16. Okay? Now are, are we Calvinists and do we just proof text and isolate scriptures or are we Bible believers and we expound on the scriptures completely? Look what he said here. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Right there is proof. God chooses who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. Really? Is that what he's talking about? So if they were chosen... And Judas is one of the twelve. I thought Calvinists believe once saved, always saved. So how did Judas get chosen and then lose the salvation? What's going on here? Because let me, again, this wasn't about salvation. Jesus chose those twelve disciples to go and preach the kingdom of God. They were ministers of the kingdom of God. They are preaching the truth of the word of God. And you know what? Yes, he did choose a devil because that devil was going to serve a purpose to perform the will of God. And you know what? Sometimes God might choose a devil to come into our church to maybe put us to the test on some things. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to operate and how he's going to act. But you know what? He, he might do that. I mean, he did it with his own. That, that could happen. I don't, I don't know. But, but either way, this wasn't choosing for salvation. He chose them to do a work that would last. That's what he chose them for. A work that would last. And guess what? God's will so far has been done because we're still here preaching the doctrine of the apostles and Jesus Christ. I mean, what, what chapter am I preaching from tonight? John, the Gospel of John, one of Jesus' twelve. The doctrine that I'm getting has been from men like John. Men from the Apostle Paul. That's what we've covered tonight. So what are we doing? We're still following their methods. We're still preaching the truths that they passed on. Somebody passed these scriptures on. These scriptures have been preserved throughout history. Who preserved these scriptures throughout history? The church did. God's people did. We still have it today. Somebody taught the next gener those disciples. They taught a generation. That generation taught another generation. And we are still here today. Why? Because they tried to build something that would last. God chose these men. And you know what? They got the job done. 
There, we are still here today. That's what that's talking about. And so he said, uh, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. That's what he chose them for, to bring forth fruit, not to go to heaven, to bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I want you to go and bear fruit that's going to remain and that's going to become a part of this ministry. That's going to be a part of this work. I want you to go out and I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. I want you to teach them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And let me tell you, He is still with us. We are still part of that church. We are still part of the ministry that Jesus Christ started. We are not a part of some new movement, ladies and gentlemen. We are a part of an old movement that goes all the way back to Jesus Christ. That's the only movement I want to be identified with. The movement of the apostles. That's what we are a part of. And so he says that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And I believe, again, that's in relation to bearing fruit. Don't go changing the subject and making this about all your possessions that you want. Let's keep it on the subject. This is not about what Tommy McMurtry wants. No, this is about what a church wants and what is a church supposed to do? What is the function of a church? It is not to accumulate wealth for the individuals in the church. It's to bear fruit. That's what he's talking about. Bearing fruit. Stop changing the subject. Don't let the charismatic you know, prosperity preachers change the subject of this passage. It's about bearing fruit. So Jesus t- chose the twelve that He did for a purpose. He got, He gave them a work to do, and it got done. And now, understand, again, we've said before, one of the chosen was not even saved. Because they weren't chosen for salvation, but for a work. And if God wants, He may choose to use a lost guy to put the church through some kind of test. Or maybe even just to use His money for a little bit. You know, I don't know. He might do. I don't know how God's going to work, ladies and gentlemen. That'd be cool, though. If some lost millionaire came in here just long enough to tithe a couple times. That's the way I would work things. God has not done that yet. Probably is not going to do that. But he, but either way, he could. You know, he he could. That guy's still not going to go to heaven. But you know what? He did a good work. <laughs> so, and we see, you know, but um, in the Bible, again, you do anything for God's people, God's children. You're not, you know, that that's a good thing. You know, you're accomplishing something. So verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now they have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. And Jesus warned the disciples that the church would be persecuted, the church would go through trials, and just understand, nobody, listen, mark this down, nobody hates you because you are saved. Okay? Nobody, nobody, there, nobody ever would hate you for being saved. Because you being saved, first off, people can't just see that you're saved. Okay? What is it that gets people upset? It's the work that we do. 
It's the fact that we preach the gospel. It's the fact that we shine a light on their sin. It's the fact that we, it's when we do the work that we were called to do as a church, it's the work that we do that people hate. Nobody hates Tommy McMurtry for being a saved guy. People hate, think they hate me because of what they hear me preach. But I didn't come up with this stuff. I'm just preaching the Bible. If I would quit doing the work, people would have no reason to hate me. We would not get hated as a church. We would not get listed as a hate group. If we would quit doing the work, but if we do the work, the world's going to hate us. So again, this is about the work, ladies and gentlemen. This is about the work. Nobody just looks at you and is like, oh, you're saved. I hate you. No, it's, it's about the message. They would not know, nobody would ever know you were saved if you didn't tell them or if you didn't live like a Christian, act like a Christian, and get, do, again, shine a light on their sin. So, verse 26, But when the Comforter has come, whom I shall send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me, and, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. And Jesus assured them that his Spirit would be with them and would get them through the difficulties. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he empowered the church. He gave them power. He gave them authority. And if, it, and if, and if a church still has power and authority, or, and, if, you know, and it's not doing well, God, you know, he's going to take that away. God wants us getting a job done and bearing fruit. And as a church, we have to stay to, as close to Jesus as possible so we can be as effective as possible because without him, we are nothing. We can't bear fruit without him. And so if you think, I'm going to keep disobeying God, I'm going to willfully go against Him, I'm going to disconnect myself from the church, I'm going to get away from His commands, I'm not going to do what He said to do, you're not going to bear any fruit. Because you can't do this by yourself. You can't get it done. You've got to have His help. And so now that we've gone through this, just briefly, something, a few things you need to understand. And I'm not going to expound on any of this, but a branch is a church or even an individual who's bringing forth fruit or getting people saved. A branch that quits bearing fruit is no longer good for anything, but it doesn't make the fruit that came from the branch in the past as if it never existed. It still bore some fruit. And the fruit that remains is fruit that goes on to become a part of the branch or vine that eventually produces fruit itself. And this is what we're supposed to shoot for as a church. We don't want to just get people saved. We also want to teach them all things. We want to baptize them. We want to get them doing the same thing. That's what we're supposed to shoot for as a church. And so we, uh, and if we do these things, the husbandmen will purge us so we can continue to be used. And there are a lot of Christians that have this attitude. I just want to be a soul owner and get people saved, but I'm not interested in cleaning up my life or being closely connected to a church. If that's your attitude, please don't come here. Please leave here. You will hurt us. You will be a canker in this church. And there are a lot of churches today that they don't care that much about doctrine. They think as long as they're doing a good work, everything's great. False doctrine is also a canker that will eventually destroy a church and it will not bear fruit anymore. We'll talk a lot about that next week. But every Christian should desire to be a fruit-bearing branch. And you will, not, you will not do that if you keep allowing sin and false doctrine in your life. So get these things right. If you don't, you're in direct disobedience to God. So with that, let's pray to your Lord.
I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everybody. I pray, Lord, that everyone will take this job that you've given us, Lord, as a branch, serious. Lord, I pray that people won't come here, Lord, just for, just for fun. This is something to do. But, Lord, they'll realize that we have a great work to do. We need to build something here that's going to last. We're seeing too many churches dying and getting away from the truth, and we need more that will be a light and that will just r- remain uh, connected to you and doing great things. And I pray you'll continue to use us. In your name we pray. Amen.